We've been uh, on for a minute. Yeah. yeah. But I'll slay oh, have we? if we're ready. Damn yeah. it. Again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to have to erase that herpes part. I think I might do this whole episode in Christopher Walken's voice. So wow. if anybody has got an issue with the host, it's a good show. Uh, <laughs> it just goes to show. And uh, now she catches more fish than I do, so I've, I've grown to regret that. That does say a lot. I was like, man, I really hope I'm not overselling this. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Probably. I was very, very fat. I, was, I mean, I was at least five pounds heavier um, then than I was now. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, we, you know, they you say... carried it all in your face. <laughs> Whether we're elk hunting or mule deer hunting or whitetail hunting, I mean, that's that's the uh, the epicenter, the, the climax of, of the year, the hunting season for us, the hunting year. Yeah, prime after time. That, yeah. Can he say climax? I did. Is I that, think yeah, I can okay. say that. We, do we have to mute that? <laughs> worse, there's nothing worse than breaking your boots back out again in the spring for shed hunting or whatever it is, and they just smell like the local bowling alleys, rented them out for <laughs> three months straight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I also learned over the course of the weekend that uh, a thigh master can be an incredible upper body workout. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's what I learned. Yeah, I'm ready. Who's bringing us in? We're on. We're live in living color. Back from elk season. Ready to talk about it. It's been a good Welcome month. Welcome back. I missed you guys. Ditto. I didn't miss you as much. I, well, I thought I would, but I didn't, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, and when I say I, I missed you guys, it, you know, that was, I guess I didn't really miss you either. <laughs> <laughs> no take backs. Okay. Bye. Um... Yeah, that, it gosh, it goes fast every year, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. sir. Um, I was fun. I had fun. Learned yeah. a lot. Yes. So Crave Crew is back. Um, Oregon elk season is over. It was over about uh, about ten days ago. Yeah, finished yep. up. Um, we went one for three, so still above the average. Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Johnny for uh, over the yeah. Johnny on the spot here, picked us up, brought home the, uh, brought home the goods. What that? What that score about? Uh, <laughs> One thirty. Um, <laughs> it scored. Uh, That's a good. There deal. was probably twice <laughs> as much boned out meat, you yeah. know, in weight than there were inches, uh, for sure. <clears throat> but it's good um, eater. It's kind of like when yeah. when you're like, well, what does she look like? You're like, well. She's got a great personality. <laughs> <laughs> Your elk had a great personality. You know, uh, yeah, uh, it. I feel feel very fortunate. It was a, it was not uh, an easy. No season, you know, is easy. I guess you know. Your brother's but, one season was pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it it was. But um, yeah, no, just feel fortunate and lucky and. Did a few things right and a lot of things wrong, but that time it just worked out. So just happy I could toe the line, you know, and yeah. get us above the the average, you know, harvest rate for archery over the counter elk. Way to keep our street cred intact. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> 
Oh, that's great. So this episode, we're just gonna kind of recap uh, everything that 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 kind of went on with the season. What gear worked, what didn't, some things that we learned, uh, both good and and uh, well, anything you learn is good. Uh, but uh, just some tactics and some tips that we can pass along that we learned and and uh, it was a little bit different season for a few few different reasons. Um, so Nate and I hunted together um, in Eastern Oregon. And then John hunted the coast. Yep. Over the counter. Yep. You weren't on the coast, but you were you were near the coast. You know, I think any a lot of people say, you know, well, you know, where are you hunting at? You know, it's just kind of a generalization. Sure. People who are if you're hunting, you know, Roosevelt's, I think people just throw out the coast. Yep. We were yeah, we were probably fifteen, twenty miles inland. So for sure, you know, they were true coastal brush bulls and elk yeah almost couldn't say plural bulls this year <laughs> with with how many we actually saw but yep um and you guys are you, you guys are ways that was a, quite a bit of a drive for you guys to, to go where you went yeah it's a pretty good pull yeah yeah the state itself it doesn't seem like you can get anywhere quickly um just given the vast size of it so well, we had to take the long way a couple of trips over, too, due to wildfires. I had one of our major east-west freeways closed yeah. down for several weeks. So yeah. that that was rough. Let's start there. I mean, so, I mean, that's becoming, uh, I didn't grow up in the west, so, like, it was never really a big, like, I guess I never really paid too much attention to it, but definitely finding out that, you know, fire is, wildfires can play a huge huge part in in your elk season i mean completely you know derail everything that you've kind of worked for for uh and and planned for uh all summer spring and summer and then you know these fires start up for one reason or another and can make you completely change your your game yeah so i mean we were in a situation where the area we were in was not uh was not in fire danger but I mean, there was fires all around it, and like to Nate's point, we had to drive a different way to get there. Um, but just the air quality, I mean, we were there a couple times through the summer scouting a little bit, and um, I mean, really the whole state, but gosh, you'd go out there and it was just, it was so hazy. I mean, mountain ranges, you could see um, on any given day, you couldn't just mm -hmm. because there was so much smoke in the air. Um, so it's kind of a bummer. Really, yeah. It was made it tough. There was uh, some big fires in, you know, Northern California, and we had a north wind, uh, probably for, I don't know, two weeks. And it was, and then there were some local fires that popped up. But there's, there's a day where we woke up, and it was. I mean, I bet you we had a quarter mile visibility. Yeah. Which makes you know makes glassing tough, and it just kind of sucks hunting and that stuff. Yeah. And it was bad even here at home in the in the valley. I mean, the, the news was basically saying straight up, don't go outside if you don't have to. Yeah. yeah. Which is hunters you just ignore. Of all the seasons yeah. for me to. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm saying it's got to be pretty bad if the news is telling you to stay indoors. Yeah, and I forgot my inhaler too, so <laughs> asthma, you know. Was I packed mine. I didn't need it. it. Tough. But, yeah. <laughs> You're blaming it on asthma? I've had <laughs> asthma for years, you know. 
It's uh, it's it's exercise induced asthma to be right. specific, <laughs> and the doctors, the doctors say that you know once my heart rate gets up around that sixty mark, you want to scale it back. Yeah, just go ahead and sit down, <laughs> grab grab yourself a <laughs> beverage, kick the feet up, elevate. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> relax. Bring yeah. yourself back. That's down. that craft beer induced. Uh, yeah. Asthma. <laughs> yeah. But so you, you must be allergic to IPAs. Yeah, that's your problem. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Let's talk. Um, so, you know, we just wanted to, you know, for everybody out there, kind of first of all, just go over the the best and worst things of the season. Um, you know what what happened? I mean, even in gosh, even in your worst season where it's rough. I mean, there's always those bright spots. It's kind of like golfing. You know, you can have a terrible round, but you end up hitting that on the 18th hole, you hit that drive and you're like, man, this was a lot of fun. I'm going to come back and do it again, even though the previous 17 holes stunk. So, I mean, you're going to have seasons like that where, you know, the, you don't see much, you don't hear much, but usually there's that one day where you have a lot of encounters or, you know, have one really cool encounter or, or see something that you have never seen before and it makes it all worth it. So, um, Nate, you want to, you want to start when, tell us what, I mean, there's probably well, a few things. Uh, yeah. We'll, I think we'll get into this a little bit later in the episode, but I'll start with the worst, I guess. So we made, since it's such a long drive, we made multiple multi-day trips over to our area. And on the second trip over, I had a malfunction with my sleeping pad. And I pretty much slept directly on the ground for five days. It was, it was not <laughs> sucks. not cool. <laughs> um, I also had a sleeping bag that was a little too light, <laughs> so I had a, a big Agnes bag that has a sleeve that their brand of sleeping pad slides right into. Uh-huh. The idea being is the pad's always underneath you. If it's slid into a pocket in the sleeping bag, you can't right. slide off the pad. But that means less insulation on the bottom side of the bag because that's where your pad goes. But if that pad goes flat on you, <laughs> it kind of you're kind of shit out of luck. Oh, gotcha. So it was it was pretty rough. I was directly on the ground and it wasn't super cold yet, but the fact that I had zero insulation underneath me. Yeah. It was pretty uncomfortably cold every night. Yeah. And, you know, sleeping on hard packed ground. Man, that's why I always pack two um, you know, I bring a spare, which I, I didn't figure you wanted it, so I didn't, well, <laughs> I didn't offer it. <laughs> I did, to to be honest. And I, I did like have to have two of them under me at all times. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I did have one in the truck, but we were we were packed in quite a ways, long enough where I decided yeah. to just tough it out rather than walk all the way back to, to the truck in a base camp and swap it out. Uh, but I survived. <laughs> so to paint the picture... Nate and I uh, packed in a few miles, and we, you know, we planned on being in there most trips for three or four days, kind of depending on, you know, what uh, our schedule allowed. Um, but, you know, minimum is about three days. So uh, we had packed, we each had uh, single-man tents and, and sleeping pads and sleeping bags and, you know, the jet boils and, and the whole nine yards. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as it's it's tough and it's frustrating because Nate kept waking me up and I'd, I'd wake up every few hours to him inflating his <laughs> his air mattress. <laughs> that was your so, worst. <laughs> that was what part of my worst. I'm like, come on, man. 
Uh, I was blowing elk out of camp every time I'd wake uh, up to do that, yeah. too. But they, it's, that awesome. is, it's tough. I felt bad for him. Like, man, that's... I can tell. That's rough. Yeah. but It was like a quiet. slow leak, too. It was just, like, torturously slow, I guess. The one it's one of those things where, you know, it feels fine and long enough where you get right to sleep, and then 45 minutes later, you're on the ground. Ugh. Just long enough where you can actually fall asleep. Right. Yeah. Yep. That sounds bad. Yeah. Needless to say, I swapped that out. That whole my whole sleep system got changed on the last trip over, <laughs> which is a good thing it did, because we uh, we had about thirty degree colder temperatures and lucky your and guys hail and snow on the last trip over. So lucky your guys' sleeping bags zipped together. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad there you was a lot tested of that before the body warm. It's always yep. available. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh. You got a best? Uh <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of good good things about the trip. I mean, we, we didn't kill, but we hunted hard. Um, and we were in elk most every day. You know, it was just tough conditions for various reasons. Um, I just, I felt I felt good about our overall effort level. I guess that was my, yeah. my best takeaway. Because... You know, the first weekend was fairly smooth, but the second two trips over had pretty major uh, shit show type things go wrong. In the second trip over, I had kind of the tie for the worst, too, is I had been running a pair of boots all summer long, putting a ton of miles on them, and they're super comfortable. I was happy with them, but I hadn't run them in the wet at mm-hmm. all. And about three days in on our last trip over, it started raining and hailing with purpose and found out pretty quick those nice comfy boots didn't hold water out worth a damn they're advertised waterproof yes so. they were yeah and i treated them as well hmm. with some you know some of the silicone spray and stuff and yeah they were pretty well soaked through yeah in the first day of, of serious rain and that w- that was the one time we decided to just walk out to the truck and uh that was that was pretty brutal, but I mean we didn't let that stuff damper our spirits or anything, or or the lack of of shot opportunities, you know. I mean we stuck with it, kept at it hard, kept getting into elk. It just you know it's one of those years where it was rough. So for sure, and I've hunted with you for a few years now, and and I, you know, I'd venture to say that you know four or five years ago, given these things happen. I'd say you probably would have, your attitude might have been a little bit different, but you were super mm-hmm. prepared. I mean, you had spare everything, and and you know the gear you did have was was it was all good stuff for the most part, except for the you know, the boots and the holy air pad. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you know, you were prepared to the point where it wasn't going to stop you from hunting. Right. You know, so yeah, no, that's cool. Um, just to piggyback on that, yeah, I'd say. Uh, the worst, probably the worst for me was um, just the weather in general. The last time it was pretty rough. I mean, I've like I like hunting in inclement weather sometimes. You know, it's just I don't. I think you kind of get the measure of a man to be able to go out there and and you buy all this crap to like venture out in the worst of elements, and a lot of times you never get to use it. So it was kind of cool to to be out there in snow and hail and sleet and rain and 
and uh you know everything held up well but it was just it was garbage man it was so windy and it was just really tough uh we spoke a few times and it was like we ended up hunting elk like late season blacktail you know we were just still mm. still hunting these yeah these elk because they just they were all hunkered down i mean you were you know trying to find these elk kind of bedded up in the timber patches because they were themselves were trying to get out of the out of the elements so it was it was tough that's that that stunk and and then my water filter so the first weekend uh it was hot i mean it was in probably pushing 90s and nate and i had split up and we went into uh i went into one area and i had got everything set up and and the only downside to where i was hunting was that i didn't have any access to water like real immediately i had to go down in the bottom of a drainage which was a pretty significant um elevation drop <laughs> and very rapidly so i was Steve. i knew i was going to have to do that every day um and it was just a walk you just don't want to make it just it sucks so anyway i the very first day um after blowing a bunch of elk out the day before season started in this area i hunted down to the water and uh you know a, a tip for anybody um something i learned and i'm glad i did it but i i you know, you're at the water source. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I want to make sure I'm as hydrated as I can be before I fill up my water bladder again. So I drank most of my water. And luckily, I did say to myself, leave a little bit of water in here just in case your water filter doesn't work, you know. Um, and it, I don't. I had no reason to think that it wouldn't. It had always worked before. And uh, sure enough, I got out the water filter and I put it in the water and I started to pump and I'm pumping and pumping and nothing happens. I'm not getting anything going. So I, I'm not sure I spent like 20 minutes trying to figure out what was going on with it, but, um, it just, it, it was busted. It didn't work. So, um, I had to climb out of that hole with like eight ounces of water. <laughs> and the bad thing yeah. is like, I had to <sighs> not only like go back to base camp, but I had to pack up base camp at this point and walk all the way back to spike camp, yeah. spike camp and yeah. then walk all the way back to uh, the quad and then drive that over to where Nate was at and then walk in. So, um, I mean, it shot my that whole sucks. first day. Yeah. Yeah. So that well, was the probably crazy the thing is the, the, the second to last oh, that day on that first, first trip. Yeah. So yeah. it was hot. It was hot. Yeah. yeah. And I had the same pump system and mine failed on that same trip over. Thankfully on the kind of the, the last evening, so we were able to fill up our three-liter bags one more time, on, you know, and, and that got us through it the next day, hunting in the morning, then packing up camp and yeah, and walking out. But, I mean, we were basically, we had two of the same pumps, and they both failed within two days of each other. Yeah. So we so definitely want to make sure you got, you know, your uh, iodine tablets or your uh, mm -hmm. treatment deals or some kind of backup for water yeah. treatment, too. And I didn't. I didn't have a backup. And usually I always had carried, historically carried, water tablets and something to get you through but in this case i mean it really shot my whole first day and added a bunch of extra miles because i didn't i would suggest you know checking that stuff out before you leave um you know your water filter you know if you can you know just run it a little bit before you leave make sure that works because if you don't have water i mean you can get by with a lot of other things that don't work but mm -hmm. that was one i just i couldn't i really couldn't Anything short of like you know filling up my water bladder and then hauling it back and then and then four cups at a time boiling it in my jet boil um that would have been like the only way I could have like stayed in there, which I didn't want to do mm -hmm. 
So, and, you know, with the fire bans, I mean, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't start a fire and boil water or anything like that. So it was, uh, it was rough. That's, that was no good. Um, but, uh, probably the best thing, um, saw a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, I saw some, some nice, uh, mule deer bucks, um, you know, didn't have a tag for that particular area for them. So couldn't make a move on them. Um, I think probably my best was um I don't think we've ever I've never spent as much time in a spike camp uh mm-hmm. before. I mean we were in there for like six days I think. Yeah it was seven nights, eight days yeah. on the last trip. So um I don't know, it was just cool to be able to mm. be be in there and you know, just to live I and and not really need anything. You know, mm-hmm. other than what you carried in on your back for that long. I've done a lot of three, four, five day stints, um, but never anything that long. So especially in foul weather too. Yeah, it was yeah. really bad. That was, was really the bad. stretch where it was nasty. Yeah. The one thing so the one thing that we did do that Nate and I is probably the best decision we made that during the last week anyway was when the weather we knew the weather was gonna get bad according to the forecast before we left. So as it started to get bad, one thing we realized we didn't have was a really good we didn't have a good shelter canopy system set up you know we had tents but if anybody that's been out there in a in a tent situation for more than a couple days knows that if you have inclement weather it sucks because you just you it's hard to sit in your tent for any long duration you know if you want to make your food if you want to just come back in the middle of the day and relax a little bit or even Sitting, just change your clothes and yeah. dry clothes or whatever. You yeah. got to try and crawl into your tent and all your wet stuff and change yeah. it in there. So we went back to the truck, and we ended up hauling back in a couple, you know, like 12 by 14 tarps and uh, got those up over over our tents, and uh, that was a lifesaver. Mm. That was mm. that was, that was was big. That was key. Yeah. At the first major hailstorm literally hit us as, as we were tying up the last guy line on the tarp, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> so... It was like uh, perfect timing, I guess. Yeah. What about you, Johnny? Um, man, um, you know what they say: any day hunting's better than oh a yeah, sure. Day in the, any bad day hunting's <laughs> better than day in the office. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I uh, yeah, no, it was. I did. There's definitely some some times where, you know, despite. My joking, I I did miss being over there with you guys, uh, but I would say that um, my worst would be uh, I had a horrible time with the grouse this year, <laughs> like like the grouse, the Terminator grouse over there. Yeah, I mean you just, literally I. I got so frustrated because I had hit two grouse earlier in in the weekend. This was probably I think the second weekend, and they just took they took my judo like a champ, and they got up and they you know they they flipped me the feather and they took off. <laughs> and so we were Todd and I were walking out a a cat road. Um, we were just gonna go hunt this patch of timber. Um, and we came around the corner, and there's two big rough grouse. And uh, I thought, enough messing around. I'm going to smoke this <laughs> thing with my broadhead. It's at, like, 80 yards. And it's kind of in some grass. Eight. Eight yards. Yeah. Barely within my range. 
Top pin. <laughs> Third pin. <laughs> yeah. Third pin. Uh, I, I got really small <laughs> pin gaps. Uh, but so my drawback, I shoot. I smoke this grouse. My arrow goes like eight feet past it and is laying there and, and feathers everywhere. And it just immediately flattens out, you know, wings, dead. Yeah. I was like, finally, right on. I'm on the board, you know. And <laughs> It stands up. Looks at me, and it was a pretty steep hill on the left-hand side. Uh, another grouse had flushed right after I shot. It then flushed, locked its wings, and sailed for like <laughs> 300 yards down <laughs> this canyon. Oh, and it was big timber, <laughs> and I just watched that grouse go out of my life, and, and that was probably the lowest I'd felt in a long time. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's no, without a dog, I mean, there's no chance of, you know. Right. Yeah. Finding it, and I went and looked at my arrow, and... I had, uh, you know, Guts, I, liver. I, no, I, I, I had <laughs> shot forward, you know, I, you know, breasted it and, but still for, for a grouse to, yeah. to take, you know, yeah. an arrow, a broadhead, any broadhead, you know, just like, gosh dang, they're tough. Um, they're so ninjas too, as far as ducking, ducking arrows and stuff too. Yeah. I was pretty disappointed on that. Um, we just had the hardest time finding, um, you know, I'm not a trophy hunter by any means, but you like to, you know, you like to, if you can, try to get a, you know, mature bull or mature animal. And we could not find any. Um, up until the last weekend, we finally found, you know, at the branch bulls started leave finally hooking up with, with the cows. Um, saw a lot of elk, you know, but they were all in their summer patterns, cows, calves, and, and spikes, um, all season long up until that last weekend. Uh, so that was also, you know, kind of, I mean, it's cool seeing elk, but a little, I guess you get a little frustrated, you know, but then you realize, hey, this is cool. We're seeing elk, you know, yeah. so it's better mm. than not seeing elk. Uh, but worst would definitely, all-time worst, this is probably my worst for the last, a long time, as far as being in the woods. Um, I have a poop story, and yeah. I don't know <laughs> if we should, you know, hey. I think you uh, go with it. Tur- you know. You might want to, you know, turn it off now or tune, t- turn, tune back in in five minutes. Yeah, there's gonna be, there's more than one, I think. Man, <laughs> true, there is. So, uh, I think like the uh, uh, correct term is shart. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm familiar with the, the the, you know, a sh- a shart is <laughs> is different when you're. You have access to, you know, n- new clothes and a shower, right? And actual <laughs> toilet paper. Um, and my, uh, I had had a, I had the first mountain house of the season, which I know better. Memorable, always um, memorable. Stroganoff, beef stroganoff, Ooh, delicious, solid, delicious. Solid choice. Uh, the following <laughs> morning, my. Uh, yeah, the following morning, my my uh, the guy I was hunting with was cussing me because I was just couldn't you know he couldn't be in the same rig with me. <laughs> just, we weren't going to see any elk. Uh, doesn't matter if the wind's right. You you know you know he just he was he was very frustrated with me and and I start you know you start getting those pains and we all know you know it's your body telling you hey you better it's go time you better anyhow. Right. Long story short, I. Uh, 
I pushed it, no pun intended. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it happened, and very unexpected. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Um, but um, <laughs> there was enough. It, there, we weren't by any water, but there's enough morning dew on like the plants oh, and stuff to to try to you know clean it up. It was bad, guys. I'm sorry. Um, that being said, <laughs> no dead down wind wipes with you or uh, later wipes? later on. You yeah, had no yeah, back at the truck. <laughs> no TP you know. or anything. Uh, you said you didn't have TP. <laughs> I didn't actually have TP. I had these shop towels. <laughs> um, One way stretch. The uh, they're great. They're great for you know they're this is gross. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're great for just you know like. You know, if it's solid's great, but liquid, their their oh. their absorption factor is I nil. See, I see. So uh, it's like trying really to clean up a spilled uh, oil pan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is funny is as we watched a two guys walk down into this timber, Ooh. and I know that they encountered <laughs> that on that elk trail because it was your murder scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> but anyhow, that was pretty bad. Um, but that was man. Yeah, best um, best was brand new area. I'd never been in there. Just being able to go in there and and you know get lucky and and take out two elk. Uh, uh, my father in law shot uh, shot a cow the last last day. Um, you know, phenomenal hunter. He's he's killed a bunch of elk. That was actually his first cow. But he is, we were super stoked to be able to put some meat in the freezer for sure. Well, I think that's worth noting. So. Your father-in-law, we all know him, uh, great, great elk hunter. This is amazing. So I would say probably most of his life he's been in an area where you could shoot cows, right? He's hunted yeah. areas where you could shoot cows. And he's, and he's. Uh, this was like his 35th, 36th elk, uh, 35th. Right? 35th, yeah, 30, 35th elk. And his 35th, out of 35 elk, he's killed one cow. All, yeah, and all archery kills too. Yeah, that's so crazy. He's he's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's halfway to where, I, where I'm at, which is pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, yeah, it's it's always fun to you know to hunt. To hunt well, you them. say you're so. lucky, but that's not. I mean, you guys, you know, both you and and uh, and Todd. Yeah, very accomplished hunters. So, um, you know, it's more than just that. Yeah, well, there's always a bit. There's always a bit of luck involved sure. too, because I mean, you're always dealing with you know the elements, and you just you just never know. Um, but uh, so so this is the first really bull that we had seen with cows was the one I shot, and uh, it's across the canyon, probably a mile and a half. Um, had some cows with him. We watched him for about a half an hour. Three o'clock in the afternoon, raining, and he was raking a tree in this older unit and. We knew how to get underneath them. Um, There's an old road system that that went underneath them, and you couldn't couldn't access them above. It was the first time we've actually saw elk in this particular area. So, just for people that are listening, and most people have not hunted Western Oregon. That's a very small piece of the demographic, right? Okay. Unless yeah. you live in in Western Oregon, mm -hmm. even if you live in Oregon, period the chances of you hunting Western Oregon is still pretty slim. So yeah. when you say, just to kind of just paint a little bit better picture as far as when you say, you know, we've seen them in a unit, an older unit. Yeah. Like, 
Nate and I know what you're talking about, but I think a lot of people, and even for me, when I moved out here, it was a whole new ball game. Like I, I had to learn. It's completely different than when most people think about elk hunting. You're like, okay, well, you know, it's aspen trees, it's big meadows, it's it's big, you know, mm-hmm. big mountain ranges with you know that I can see through open timber. Um, this is not like that. Yeah. So the Roosevelt elk, which we were, that's what we were going after. They live in a lot of different types of coastal habitat. But when I say units, it's a uh, you know, it's a place where it's essentially has been logged in the past. And uh, right around that first or second year after a, a piece of land has been, you know, logged, so a lot of that new growth um, starts coming back up and those elk love it. And they'll, you know, they'll hit those uh, units or clear cuts um, for the next, you know, four or five years, sometimes more. Yeah. Until the, until the trees are grown up enough where there's not a whole lot of feed. There's not enough light that gets down to the, you know, to the ground, so the, so the, the browse isn't there. Similar to burn areas in more arid. Same kind regions. of idea. Yeah. yeah, those fresh, those fresh burns. You know, a lot of animals kind of gravitate those the, towards those. But, um, so yeah, this 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 area we were hunting had a lot of those, um, you know, units, different age class of units. But more importantly, there's big timber which is bedding, um, for for the elk, and 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 they and they love those. When you get two of those together, you know, patch a good-sized timber, you know, 30, 40 years plus, um, and then a unit, you know, typically that's an, that can be an elk magnet. So we spotted them over there, and we, we got over there, got the wind right, and uh, snuck into about 60 yards, maybe 70 yards from where I thought they were at, um, just and bugled, just real timid-like, and twice, and raked a tree, and he, he got up to investigate, and made a decent shot so yeah what's nice about that is typically you're not too far away from a road so where my pack out was only 300 yards you know where we've killed elk where <laughs> you guys hunted at yeah uh or where you were at you know that's f- four five miles plus yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah. it's a trick yeah for sure yeah, yeah but so what piece of gear on on your trip uh, or your season um, was helpful, the most helpful, or something that, you know, you look back and you're like, man, that was, uh, I wouldn't want to do that without it. Todd has a piece of optics. Um, it's, a, it's a Zeiss spotting scope, Carl Zeiss. Uh, he became our buddy Carl. Uh, he, it's a, it's a large piece yeah. of glass. I don't, e- I can't even tell you exactly what the model number is. All I, all I know is the best thing I've ever looked through. Um, yeah. it's very clear. Um, and it's a, it's a big spotting scope and he has a nice tripod. I mean, the whole thing together probably weighs dang near 15 pounds. Mm. Wow. But, uh, we got really proficient in setting it up quick. I think that was kind of my perception with spotting scopes is that they're really cumbersome and they take forever to set up, but... I mean, literally, we would have, he would see or I would spot an elk off in the distance anywhere from, I mean, we were picking elk out, like, literally on the GPS as the crow flies, like, three miles away. Dang. Just a, I mean, you couldn't. With, with your you binos first and then, and then with the spotting no, scope? No, when they were that or, far away, when they were that far away, I just happened to like, throw the spotting scope up, you know, and then I was like, oh, there's an elk right there. Mm-hmm. Tough to put horns on something that distance but uh yeah it was insane and uh 
it was just a really instrumental piece of equipment and it we were we would there was other vehicles there right there was other people that were glassing and you know they'd come up or we'd we'd pull up behind a group of people and uh you know and you know they were just there and and I'm convinced that because we had that spotting scope we were able to see stuff that that nobody else could or at least nobody else that had a spotting scope could and uh it was a, sure. it was a game changer i mean that that bull that i shot i mean within 10 seconds of putting the spotting scope on him like yep that's a bull you know so i don't you could not see horns with your binoculars sure so but so that i would definitely say uh, our buddy carl Carl, yeah, CZ, yeah, yeah. Well, that's 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 cool because I think that's a lot of you know. There's those pieces out there where you know people. So it's, it's an investment, right? Yeah, and it wasn't my investment. It was Todd's nice. investment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it worked out even better. <laughs> uh, I'm signed up. I'm third on the waiting list yeah. to, to use it. So. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, that's, that's yeah. good to hear because I think a lot of people out there wonder like if it's worth the investment. And I, I would say, um, you know, to add on that, I would, it probably depends on what kind of hunting you're doing. Um, like yeah. you guys were in a situation where you had access to a lot of roads and, um, you know, units, you know, when they talk about these logged units, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a checkerboard if you've ever flown over the west coast you know particularly oregon washington um you know you'll see these and it's it's like a a big checkerboard where you know they've logged out a unit so you can imagine being down and looking across all of these and and yeah i mean if you have the ability to to reach out and and kind of pick it apart because mm-hmm. they're big units and and a lot of times those elk know how to hide even in kind of in plain sight so if you're able to have a piece of equipment like that. Um, that's great. Yep. Uh, now, if you're, you know, if you're going to go to, you know, planning a trip to, to Colorado, um, you know, and you're hunting kind of the country that the three of us have hunted out there, you know, you're even in um, Eastern Oregon where we hunted. I just sometimes not it's not piece. as beneficial. It's just not you know, that one anyway. Right. I mean, there's right. smaller, you right. know, spotting scopes and lighter tripods that, you know, that are, more sure. ideal for that but yeah but you're exactly right you know for that for that application was phenomenal i mean we yeah i think we were successful because of you know really i really truly think that that's why we were successful is because we had that spot in really yeah wow yeah i knew it wasn't you guys yeah <laughs> it, it, it couldn't be yeah that and and just the 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 sheer amount of uh you know exploring that we would do during yeah. the middle of the day like those first two weekends it seemed like you'd see people in the mornings and you'd see people in the evenings and i think people would get out and they'd you know they tried they do their one or two hunts and then they'd go back to camp but we covered some miles uh, both walking and driving you know during the middle of the day to find out like how to get to that area sure. okay we saw elk in there how do you get there in case that bull does show up? And by, by the end of the season, I mean, we we knew that area very, very well. And uh, we were able to close the distance pretty quick. So, Did you have a GPS that you yeah. were using with? 
uh, road systems. Yeah. You had no cell service, right? So very. Um, in a couple spots, you did have cell service. Yeah. But uh, GPS. You know, I had my tracks on on my GPS, which is a you know just something that you would click on that tells you you know where you have been. Not all the roads were on the GPS, so with your tracks, you could tell okay there was a road in here. Right. Um, which made it nice, but yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anything you hauled in or packed in that you were like, you know, I probably could leave this at home next time. Um, You've been through this a few times. So you've maybe called everything out that you need to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I we you got your we two got pound bag of Skittles that you always take everywhere <laughs> you go. So yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The it was kind of a bummer. It it really didn't cool off enough to where I could start hauling chocolates till that last <laughs> till that last weekend. Yeah. Uh but uh yeah. No, I would say uh I pretty much have it, you know, leaned out to where there's really nothing in my in my pack that that isn't isn't useful. But except baby wipes apparently. Except baby wipes. Yeah. Some sort of uh except baby wipes for sure. Butt wash, yeah. Okay. Um uh, Nader? Shop towel. Gear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pressure washer. Uh, <laughs> you go, you're you kind of, you're, so if I got a spectrum, John's on one end. <laughs> I'd say you're probably on the other end as far as gear that you haul around in your pack. I did a slip a few peaks every time, you know, like you'd pull out your, you know, gallon size. Did you take the pots zip, and pans? Ziploc bag out. And no, no, no. Pops, now you no pots and pans. Just for the record, <laughs> you've slimmed down um, your pack a lot. Um, so, yeah. But you know, you still got quite a bit of gear in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Uh, uh, one of the trips I took, which a- I'm glad you do, because those first couple weeks, there was a few things that I had forgotten, and I definitely relied on you to have spares you know second or thirds of like hey nate you got this and it was i knew you had it yeah had to have extra <laughs> socks wool socks He's like the magician <laughs> with yeah. The, uh, <laughs> yeah it just keeps coming out of the sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was all those years in boy scouts had to be prepared for everything yeah plus i got a good pack finally and so yeah. you know i can add seven to ten more pounds and oh i really feel yeah, the difference like you're not even carrying it so <laughs> Yeah. Well, you got like six hankies you carry with you, you know. Yeah, I do. <laughs> cycling those through. I do have a fair few of those. <laughs> but what what was uh this year was like like your kind of your uh eye opener piece of gear that you were like, man, this is this is sweet. Glad I have it. Mhm. Uh, I have one of those Delorme inreaches that you can text yeah through satellite signal. And it, I mean it wasn't necessarily crucial for the hunt. I mean it would have been we only had one. You didn't have one. Right. You know, if, we, if we'd if we had two of those, though, like the first weekend when we were split up and stuff, um, it probably would have been much easier for me to walk back out to the truck and then run a spare filter to you where you were hunting. And, you know, I th- think that would have allowed you to stay into that in that first spot without having to come out and this and that or, or just general communication. But that was nice. I mean, it, it was handy to just – throw a quick text out to our wives you yeah. know in the evenings or whatever just you know ping home base and let everybody know everything's good and you know or, or get emergency messages from them if if anything was going on which thankfully right. didn't but um and then it was 
it's kind of nice even during the during the foul foul weather stretch where we were kind of sitting around camp waiting it out a little bit to just whip that thing out and text back and forth with a little bit. It's not overly cost prohibitive or cost effective, I guess, to to text a lot with them. They're fairly expensive, but just kind of having that peace of mind. Well, or, give or link, give people an nice. idea. I mean, you're talking. You can. I mean, we text all season and. Your bill for September is probably going to be what, fifty bucks? Yeah, probably be less than that. Even. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So granted, the unit's like a couple hundred, right? Three hundred. Uh, the the one that I bought has the GPS functionality. Right. Which is worthless, just about. I mean, you can put waypoints on it, but it doesn't have. Uh, really. It, it's. Right. The, no, the map. No topo. The map just sucks. Right. Um, I mean, it would work in a pinch if you – so basically I was carrying double units because I had a Garmin unit as well that was my primary GPS. And the inReach was in the pack in case we needed the SOS feature when we were down in a hole or whatever. Um, but most of the time that wasn't ever on unless we were back at camp communicating right. with people. But that was really the first time I had used that thing pretty heavily and then also actively set it to listen for responses. I was actually pretty happy with, um, you know, we were sending texts out, and then within five to ten minutes later, we were getting the responses back. Hmm. And so, like I said, it wasn't an integral part of of actually hunting for us this year, but it was nice to kind of give that thing a trial run, and it's definitely worthwhile. Yeah. Well, like you said, peace of mind for people at home. Families always want to know that you're safe, and... Um, so many areas you go into, you just don't have cell service. Or if you do, like you got to, you know, you got to, like in my situation, <clears throat> if we didn't have it, I could get service, but usually it was at, you know, very high peak where it would, it wouldn't be, you know, plausible to go up there every day. Yeah. I mean, it just, where you could. Yeah, you didn't have to worry about going out of your way. Yeah. Like we found, you know, when we were driving in one of the main roads to get to where we were hunting, there's one intersection which apparently like the only place you can get cell service in within many <laughs> yeah. miles because every time you drive past it, there was like four or five different vehicles of dudes sitting there with their with their cell phones out. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I would say I would if I had it to all do all over again, I'd have bought the cheaper unit for a hundred dollars less without the GPS functionality, just because I don't ever use it. But I do have the model that was before the, uh, the inReach were purchased or bought out by Garmin. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen any of the new units. I'm sure now that they're owned by Garmin, they have made some improvements on that as far as the GPS functionality itself. So mm -hmm. it, it may, be, may be worth it now that Garmin's running the show. But I think their prices went up a little bit too um, uh, over what DeLorme was charging. Yeah. What about you? Well, wait. Siegel. Is there anything you'd take out? Anything uh, you, um, you carried along and yeah, maybe you could do without? Well, we both packed in camp shoes. Um, you went kind of like a like sneaker slipper hybrid. Uh, it was like a like a north uh, northeastern kind of a, a New England type boat shoe, like you'd see like, like maybe a sailing a, shoe? like a sailing shoe, like a Tom Brady. Was type. it leather? Uh no, it's a Columbia type. Oh, uh, I know that. I, I know the one you're More like about. a sailing. Yeah, you know, like you said, uh, you want to be out there uh, uh, on your skiff. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yep. 
I'd probably be wearing a lot of white, maybe a white <laughs> uh, short and cardigan with it. Yeah. <laughs> and a navy Polo? blue belt. A navy blue belt, and then definitely <laughs> something tied around my shoulders. Oh, man. That was yeah. the type of shoe I'd bring in there. Uh, but in all seriousness, badass shoe. Columbia makes them. I don't know. They're just like slip-on boat shoes. They're awesome. Yeah. What, what did you pack in? I, I brought <laughs> flip-flops. Oh, those are good, though. Which, That's a good choice. Well, yeah, the first two trips, they worked great. And then the, the problem the, is they, the, the, they were thong. The, the yeah, toe, they weren't like thong. Yeah. Oh. yeah, like between the between the toes. Yeah, which were fine when the weather was still good. You yeah. know, the temps were still high, but that last trip over when it got cold and nasty. Yeah, it was it was rough. I ended up leaving my kind of damp boots on most of the time, which sucked. That's funny. So the, yeah. the first I I would cha- I would swap that out next time. I'd go with a little more, uh, you know. All weather shoe. Well, maybe not even necessarily that, but something in clothes. So at least you can stick your wool socks in them. Right. You know, like Crocs or something like that. Yeah. Maybe. Something that at least keep your feet a little bit warmer. Todd was giving me a hard time the first weekend we were over there because back at camp, first thing I did was like boots off in oh, my yeah. in my slippers. He's like, you know, he started you know working on me. I'm like, <laughs> hey man, hey, it's like <laughs> I said, I go. Jake does not leave home without these in his pack. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, frick, hippie, <laughs> you know, whatever. And, and uh, no one ever liked that next, guy. next weekend, yeah. he, he had his camp sandals. shoes. Yeah, because oh, yeah. it was so hot. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't have anything other than those boots. So there's two like, things. That's right, sucker. Like I, I learned, you know, a few years back when, first few years that, you know, when I lived in the Midwest, we go to Colorado and, you know, you go and you, try to you know bring all your gear and stuff like that and a never brought any camp shoes and b never brought a chair mm-hmm. a camp chair yeah. so and you know 15 years ago there maybe not there maybe there wasn't a whole lot of options but now like Nate and I both uh we both packed in little he- uh, helix is that what they're called helinox helinox yeah. basically just super tiny little foldable chairs mm-hmm. um so cuz there's yeah, I mean, if you're out and you're hiking 15 miles a day and and it's wet and it's nasty, there's nothing better than to come back and be able to put your shoes on, comfortable shoes, whether they're sandals or, you know, slip-ons or whatever, and, like, sit down in an actual chair and, like, have your, your dinner. Because yeah. if you're in your wet boots yet and you're in your wet clothes and you're trying to, like, sit on a nasty stump or, like, a, a you know, blow-down log or something like that, it's just... After a couple of days, you're just like, God, I just want to sit comfortably. And yeah. so we we packed those chairs in, and that was – Yeah, those it were It makes all, all the difference in the world. really does. Yeah, I mean, especially the eight-day stretch on the last go-around. Yeah. If we were having to – I mean, yeah. and we wouldn't have been able to do any log or anything on that last one. To sit anywhere else without our chairs, we'd had to we'd had to just lay in our tents – the yeah. Whole time. Anytime we were back at camp, because you know we didn't have enough room to drag a log in under our tarp. Yeah. Near our tents to use to sit down or anything. So. Hmm. Okay, I got a few things that uh, are going to be high on my list. One, I packed in. I made some jerky before I left. Um, elk jerky. Phenomenal. It's just so nice to have something like other than Mountain House. Yeah. Even though Mountain House are great. Um, for a lot of reasons, but man, it was nice having that 
big bag of jerky in there. By the end of this trip, we were kind of rationing it out because we were running <laughs> low on it. But yeah, um, we were running low on everything. But yeah, actually. yeah. But uh, that was something. But as far as gear is concerned, um, I say good rain gear. Um, just kind of looking at what you had and what I had, like what you had definitely sufficed. Like it definitely worked. But yeah. you could tell there was a difference. You know, like my stuff was dry pretty much. It breathed a little bit better. Um, yeah. And your pants were easy on and off too, which was nice. Yep. Because the, the first couple of days well, that it started didn't sound good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. Did it? <laughs> but the, the first couple of days it was still fairly warm yet, but it was raining pretty good off and on. Yeah. And it would have been nice. My rain pants were once they were on, they were on, and which kind of sucked because it it wasn't quite cold enough to really. And they didn't breathe that good, so mm -hmm. they were fine when you were sitting around. But and you, I didn't need them on all the time. But it got to be like a sauna inside those things when we were hiking around yeah. in between. And you were on or, hot, or, so yes, yes, I did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I will uh, I will up, be upgrading those here pretty quick with with ones with like uh, knee high zippers to be able to take them on and off with yeah. boots on. For sure, that that makes a big difference. So, one 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 suggestion I would make to everybody that's listening: um, if you're going, you know, you're gonna do a do a western trip. If you're gonna go elk hunting, mule deer hunting, anytime there's a chance of inclement weather, which can can be any time, I would say with your with your boots, even if you got a good pair of of uh, of high end waterproof boots, um, take the time and and season those things and waterproof those things above and beyond. Uh, the manufacturer because, um, you know, I think back yeah. to our time in 09 when we went to Colorado and you had wet feet and Phil had wet feet mm -hmm. and my dad had wet feet mm -hmm. and I did yeah. not have wet feet. And I had wet feet this year. And Nate had, yeah. And yeah. at the very least you, you find that out before you're, yeah. you're in a. And we had the same boots, John. You and I had the same exact pair of boots. Yeah. But I had done yep. the waterproofing thing. Like, yeah. You know, spray it down. You know, you can get the if you got leather boots, get the get the wax, get the rub on stuff, and and just like two three times throughout the summer, put it on, let it cook in in the sun, and uh, you know, I'm not saying it's going to completely make it 100% waterproof, but it'll definitely knock it down big time to where you're you could be not thinking about your feet all the time. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's a good point. Now, what else were we going to talk about? Um, he kind of hit on the food thing, because I, I, I packed some extra weight too, just for some mountain house alternatives. Brought, brought like uh, skinny bread in and sunflower butter and honey to make sandwiches, and that was that was pretty killer. All right, uh, so um. Kind of finally, as we uh, we wrap up uh, elk season 2017, um, it's always fun to kind of look back and, and think about the things that kind of just got under your skin a little bit. Kind of like, man, you know, whether it's, you know, your buddy snoring or, <laughs> in John's case, his, his flatulence, which was... <laughs> apparently unbearable um but uh a host of other things i mean there's so many little things you know i mean when you think about elk hunting or, or a western hunt it's always these big you know you you think about all the great things you know i'm gonna hear elk bugling in the background and it's just gonna be all this epic 
you know, like, you know, these, these days where the aspens are just going to be shimmering in the sunshine and, and, uh, you know, Will Primos is, is, is playing in my, in the back, talking about the beauty and the, the breathtaking <laughs> landscapes of, uh, of the West. Right. And everything's going to be great. You know, we're going to have horses pack us out and we're going to go back and, and, uh, you know, it's just going to be these epic pictures that I bring home and these stories. But so many times, that's not the case. And I would say it's usually not the case. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that, that get under your skin, especially when you're hunting public lands, right? You know, you're going to be dealing with other people. And a lot of those uh, frustrations sometimes come with, with other folks that are out there, um, you know, bless their hearts. Doing the same thing they you have are. every right to be they there. They absolutely do. Um, and their a lot of time too. they're entertaining. So uh, I got a couple things that, that kind of got under my skin this, this year, and I, and I, and I kind of wanted to get it off my chest. <laughs> this I could tell something's been bothering you since I Gosh. showed up. Yeah. Something's like. Well, there's a whole host of things about you that have been bothering me, but, I mean, <laughs> oh, this, that, is, is this that the vibe. <laughs> that's probably what you're picking up on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but uh, so, you know, we hunted in an area where it's, uh, you know, there's there's good elk population and um you know it proved it's proved in the past to produce some some good bulls and and uh they're there they're definitely there you know you just got to go in and get them and uh like any good thing um i'd say the first thing that's probably uh you know kind of like got under my skin was just the you know and it's it's a, it's the thing these are all like double edged swords because it's a good thing for the sport but just the amount of information that's out there right now um, technology yeah i mean yeah. like secret places be just aren't secrets anymore um so you know we saw a lot of people in there and um uh, our good friend randy newberg he, he kind of hits on this a lot too about how um you know you don't have to be in you know this 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 uh tremendous cardiovascular and, and muscular shape to, to chase elk and unfortunately it seems like a lot of people have been focusing on one aspect of elk hunting, and that's your physical fitness. Mm -hmm. um, while that is definitely important, um, as we all know, it's not the only thing. So uh, one thing that kind of just got under my skin this year was the fact that, you know, I've heard, I heard so many people out there that, you know, um, could use a few lessons and maybe a little more practice on the bugle tube um, and their calling. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, we had nicknamed yeah. <laughs> uh, one particular gentleman the uh, the educator. We who, assume it was a gentleman, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it could have been. Pretty uh, sure we actually saw him at one a point. A gal, but I think it was a guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think I ran into him at one point as he <laughs> as he moved through Professor. the, the, the yeah. thicket at at, <laughs> at uh, seven knots and uh, was was uh, was was blowing through the underbrush, cow calling and bugling. Um, uh, very erratically. So, um, the best part of the day too, best time of the day. Yeah. I just, it's tough. It, you know, by all means, I'm not, I, I wouldn't consider myself a great caller. Um, but I've learned a lot and I think I've gotten better mm -hmm. and, uh, I think less is more sometimes, but man, I heard a lot of folks out there just, uh, man, they were just ripping, yeah, ripping not bugles. Not only were they not very good at it <laughs> and you could instantly tell it's a hunter, but, calling pretty excessively too 
Yeah. Like just bugle after bugle after bugle for Okay, so let's tell minutes. a real quick story about uh, the gentleman we ran into. Um, we talked to him as we drove in to uh, the trailhead. He had stopped us and said, first of all, he had, you know, couple of tents set up and and uh he kind of flagged us down and we and we were driving in we had been driving for several you know seven to ten hours it was, took forever to get over there but uh we we drive in and he says uh he's like so you guys hunt here before and we're like yeah yeah we've been in here last few years and he's like oh okay cool cool uh well you looking for a place to camp and and we said not really he's like well if you are if you go back down the main road to the next pullout road um there's a really nice spot down there like he was like pushing us yeah like, he, he wanted us to go somewhere else yeah and we're Obviously. like no nah, no nah, i think we're just gonna keep going and uh <laughs> yeah. we're just gonna just gonna walk in tonight and he's like oh, oh okay oh, you guys oh. are spiking in and I'm like yeah Oh, okay. Well, cool, 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 cool. Well, anyway, so we run into this guy like three days later, right? Two days later, three days later. We had uh, hunted a morning hunt. We had come back to our spike camp, and we were just, you know, it was super hot. We were just getting some making water lunch. and stuff, making lunch. Yeah. And uh, we hear this this gorgeous bugle, right? Just this this very typical uh, bugle you'd probably hear on a Hollywood movie set, right? You know? And... Uh, Naturally, we knew it wasn't a bull. It was about one in the afternoon, and uh, he had a very uh, synthetic type of sound to his uh, yeah. chuckle. Anyway, and so stair stepped it too. Yeah, yeah. It was just just whatever. You know, I mean, you do it long enough. You're in the in the elk woods long enough. You just kind of start to realize. And, and there's some really good callers out there that make it tough on you. But this guy, like, we're like, well, that's a guy. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. that's a hunter. So he ends up coming into our camp. And uh, we exchanged some pleasantries, and, and he said, did you guys hear me calling? And uh, we said, yeah, yeah, we did. We, we heard you. He's like, oh, okay. Well, well, how did you know it was me? Did, I noticed you didn't answer. You're like, you didn't call back. Well, yeah, it's because we knew it wasn't a bull. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, <laughs> he proceeded to say, you know, like, well, you know, how, how could you tell? And... Uh, you know, I wasn't too. <laughs> did you start critiquing this guy? I did. Uh, I, I went right into it. I said, he well, was oh asking gosh. us. I mean, I think he was, he seemed like he was generally, genuinely interested to know how we knew it was. Oh, so he just wants to get he, better. No, he de definitely did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Well, oddly enough, like I had a laminated printout of things that he was doing wrong. <laughs> I said, well, here, take this home <laughs> and study <laughs> a scroll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, to Nate's point, he did want it to be better. And, you know, he just, you know, I gave him a few pointers, ideas of things <laughs> you may want to work on. Uh, I said, take whatever your bugle you're using and go throw it in the creek right now. Yeah. That's yeah. the first start. And leave this area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't using diaphragm calls. No, it was a, it was a reed, you know, a tube with a reed built into it. So there was no, you know, it's impossible on the model he had to get yeah, uh, a, a smooth octave transition. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it, it sounded as good as it was gonna get for the particular tube or you know yeah. bugle call. I get had. it though. I mean, I mean, there's. I've heard of stories of people. You know, you hear stories all the time. People calling an elk and bulls mm -hmm. with you know those straws. You know, yeah. just real fluty stuff. And we don't. I don't think you. Yeah, you don't have to sound perfect. But I, I, mean, we, I understand we heard elk, actual elk answering. Yeah, calls I understand. Uh, yeah, we did. 
I can understand where you're coming from, though. Mm -hmm. so. Well, and that brings up a good point, though, because we were like, you, you really need a diaphragm call. And he basically said, I've tried those before. I can't get them to work. And I went through this, too. It took me probably two full seasons of just dicking around with diaphragm calls to figure it out yeah. finally. Um, so my, my suggestion, if anybody else out there is having trouble with diaphragm calls and you're just sticking with those, you know, built-in reed rigs that are only going to sound so good, like, you just stick with the diaphragms. Keep them in your truck. Did and when you're driving back and forth to work, throw them in and just call while you're commuting. That's what I ended up doing, and it, it took me a long time to get to the point where I felt feel comfortable now bugling in the woods and actually not nervous about yeah blowing things up. You've definitely improved a lot. Um, and it, it will come eventually, so stick with it. What are you going to say, Johnny? Oh, I'm, I'm just trying to think of the, the call, like the type of call he had. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, diaphragms, I think, produce some of the most realistic bull sounds and, and elk sounds in general. Um, uh, Abe and Sons calls, which I believe Abe had the first like uh, sound resonating chamber tube mm -hmm. ever on the market. I think he sold the flex tone, but you know actually had the sound chamber at the end. Mm -hmm. His calls had uh, just like a, a rectangle piece of latex stretched yep. over the top of the tube, and then it had a rubber a ring to just keep it in place. So it wasn't a diaphragm call. And I think Primos did something similar later on, but I have a Wayne Carlton. Those calls. One that the person like who knows too. how to bugle those it sounds really good yeah. too. Along with you know, there's a lot of good people. He can't there. really chuckle with those though. He Even, he can he yeah. can. I know a couple we guys were that in can, and there. it sounds re I mean, it sounds really really good. A, a, a guy who you know has been you know obviously put in his time, but yeah, Abe put out videos and gosh, those those things sounded phenomenal. Um, but. Uh, but I think I know the type of call you're you're talking about, um, and you're right. It doesn't have not a whole lot of flexibility there. But, mm. but yeah, it's fine. That was just one thing. So <laughs> just <yeah>. one thing. That <laughs> uh, was just one thing. Uh, pine squirrels are pretty annoying. A lot of days. Strong pine squirrel uh, population. Oh man, at. my goodness. A guy with a twenty-two could kill fifty every day. In some of those spots. That's probably light, but yeah. Yeah. No, totally. So, yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, you're going to have squirrels that make noise, but then the, when there's so many of them and they they eventually spot you and then they get on a limb about 15 yards away, about 10 feet up in the tree and just chirp at you for 20 <laughs> minutes straight. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Yep. Um, <laughs> makes you, makes you want to waste an arrow on a squirrel pretty quick <laughs> you were just so you were just so itchy to shoot something that was funny Trigger. I was. Trigger. Yeah. yeah you guys got anything else no, no i don't think so no. can't wait till next year totally well we got you got hey man you got uh you got a blacktail tag i do jake yep. has a has a mule deer tag i do my wife still has a uh Cow, uh, a meat tag basically, cow only yeah, tag that's, that's good for a while. So we'll still we'll uh, get, that, get out and yeah. keep chasing them. And then, you know, try to sprinkle in some man, there's false chinook and steelhead and stuff going on. There's, there's a lot of stuff to do. 
also painting my house on Saturday. If you guys feel free to. I thought you were done with that. No, so no, so uh, we had a little hiccup, a little roadblock in the color that week before elk season. Ooh. When that happened, uh, couldn't get the correct color in in a in the time frame I needed to get the house done. So the I house see. is still taped up. Uh, Looks good. Sid hasn't seen outside for, <laughs> for like, uh, I mean, yeah, there's tape and paper and. But this this weekend, I'm gonna get it knocked out. All right. So then I can go play. Sweet. Some more. Well, cool. Um, so uh, we got a few changes to the podcast. Uh, we're gonna do a few um, in the upcoming weeks. Here, we're gonna do uh, some um, some gear reviews. Some some new products. Uh, this is always an exciting time of year. A um, lot of new things coming out um, on the archery side of things. We're gonna try to get our hands on some. Uh, some new fly fishing gear as well, um, some new tackle as it comes out, and do some reviews, put it to the test, and uh, give you guys some completely unbiased, uh, um, until somebody sponsors us, then it'll become biased, uh, reviews <laughs> on some gear. <laughs> uh, but uh, yep. as always, thanks for listening. And um, if you got any questions um, about uh, gear that we use or, or you know, uh, Western hunting, um, give us, you know, reach out, let us know. We'll, uh, we'll help you out. Absolutely. One thing, uh, finally, John, you used a different broadhead this year. Uh, I did. What'd you use? Yes. I used a, uh, Helix broadhead, uh, a single bevel design broadhead. Yeah. And Explain we'll do, what a we'll, bevel we'll do is. a review on this. Um, but essentially, uh, a single bevel broadhead is, uh, it's a it was a cut on contact broadhead um two blade i guess would be the best way to describe it but only one side of each blade is actually sharpened right so um on a t- typical you think of like a razor blade or a knife typical knife you know each edge curves away from from the tip right um so that'd be a double bevel you got one on each side this one is just a 40 degree bevel on each blade um we'll do a review on it but yeah it it performed really nice yeah shoots yep. well shoots really well cool yeah cool yep. well, awesome thanks for listening and uh catch you catch you next time see you guys